Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome back to the Emotion Minute, the season finale. I'm Chris Podcast, as always, with me, my co-host, Nico Vasillo. Today, we are talking 2017's Cut to the Feeling, initially meant for emotion and part of the emotion sessions, but was not included on the album because it was too, quote, cinematic and theatrical. It also didn't make emotion side B because it was used as a part of the movie Leap, which I think probably about 13 people in the U.S. saw. Uh, and then was released later on Emotion Side B+, a re-release that is sadly Japan-exclusive. If you've been listening to the Emotion Minute, you know that this is Ruler of the Cage Club Kingdom, Immortan Joey's favorite Carly Rae Jepsen song. I love it too, but I think Nico is probably the bigger fan of this one, so go for it. I am. I have one negative on it, and it's that I do feel like that upper register business is a little tough for Absolutely. I think that Carly Rae Jepsen is an incredibly clever performer. I don't feel that a Carly Rae Jepsen song ever lets me down, but I feel like she works really well in her mode, and she really, I don't want to use the word exploits in like a negative way, but she really exploits all of the ability of her voice on every record. And I feel like these notes in Cut to the Feeling, they just sound like they're at the upper echelon of her register. Other than that, I tend to think this song is pretty perfect, but it does play into my theory that emotion is a really specific idea in time. It has these, like, 13 themes over and over again throughout them, and she combines them over and over again in different constructs in each one of these songs. In a lot of ways, Cut to the Feeling feels like... Kind of like a summation best of. It's almost like the fireworks show at the end of the musical that is Emotion Side A, B, and C. And... I feel like it's fitting that it came at the end of that whole movement because it does feel like a really clear punctuation on this time in her artistry. Yeah, I feel like it is kind of a victory lap for Carly. I know it was from the Emotion Sessions, but it coming when it did really does feel like a synthesis of all the ideas that we had throughout Emotion. And musically, just it builds up to such an incredible crescendo, which a lot of her songs on the album did. But this one in such a different way, and you've got those those O's building up to just an incredible chorus. Four to the floor chorus that I think, uh, I think it's what the kids are calling a, uh, a bop these days or a banger. It, uh, it rips and, and slays and tears or whatever we're using this week. And four is like fucking great as this song is. I kind of agree with the sentiment of it not entirely fitting emotion. Emotion is really an album about desire and longing and Cut to the Feeling is almost a little too happy. It's a good epilogue, but it's not quite emotion-y to me. And, you know, I get what you mean, but I think for all the ways that it's its own thing, I think it highlights all of the best parts of emotion. There is all that fun interplay of her higher and lower register on the chorus. I'm sorry, on the verse. And there's that incredibly high spirit that she puts into those ahs. And... I feel like there's something that I want to cut through the crowd, break the ceiling. It just, it's kind of like, I have this theory, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself and bring up anything that might have dropped recently. 
but it's helped me understand emotion a little bit better. And one of the things I think about emotion is emotion is meant to sound like a top 20 playlist from 1986 somehow starring all of your favorite women of 2014. And I don't know how to describe it any better than that, but there's a track that sounds like Rihanna, and there's a track that sounds like Sia, and it sounds like this incredible breadth of awesome artists through this 80s electropop lens. And Cut to the Feeling is very 1989, the end of the decade, very punctuating that 80s vibe. And it feels like a really good last piece of music to talk to us about emotion. It tells me everything she was trying to say with this record. I feel like it really is the, I don't know, but like, it sounds dumb, but I mean, I can really imagine a weekend at Carly's and we wind up at her beach house and. Oh, is it, she dead and we have to carry around her corpse and convince people that she's still alive enough to play a concert? No, it's better than that. We're at her beach house and. A uh, witch doctor curses our weekend getaway, and it's the craziest snowstorm ever in the history of L.A. And Carly's like, no problem. Let's turn my humongous property that nobody actually has in L.A. into a ski resort. We'll put everybody up in my guest houses. I have several. And cut to the feeling plays at the bonfire at the end where I finally get the girl after proving myself on the ski slopes, but the water starts melting really quickly and suddenly I'm surfing. And like, I really feel like this is the song that plays at the end as my best buddies, Andrew McCarthy and Emilio Estevez shoot me an awesome fist bump from across the lake. And I feel really passionately about this yeah and i obviously play one of those like squirrely characters who has fashion that really could only exist in 1985 via a mountain of cocaine uh, who's just kind of like longing and waiting for his female best friend to notice him instead of all of the the bad boys um maybe he gets the girl at the end maybe he doesn't but either way he's a complete asshole piece of shit and also, since it's the 80s, possibly there's someone who has, like, a seemingly normal job, but is actually a wizard, question? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, because, like, Dave Coulier plays the guy who works in the gift shop that comes out of nowhere. It's initially, at one point, in her bathroom. At another point, it's in her coat closet. At another point, it's under the stairs. It just keeps moving, but it's always Dave Coulier selling stuff out of this gift shop, right? And at the end, he does a whole funny cut it out the feeling kind of bit wow well uh, i hate all of this and we're basically like one hulk hogan away from the gremlins 2 sketch from key and peel um so anyway yeah uh i want to jump back to the the high notes that we were talking about it does sometimes in this song sound like she is really reaching like the end of her range like you can hear some some throat in this chorus and this happens a little bit on uh, undedicated, but let's not get too far into that right now. And it doesn't really happen that often with Carly Rae. Like, the reason that I do seriously refer to her as, like, the modern Kylie Minogue is that she is... is that she... she has songs that are perfectly suited for her vocal range and style. And when she goes high, it's just like... all that is, like, another example off Emotion that I'm kind of thinking of. It's maybe the only other song off Emotion that I can really think of where she goes high. And, like, I know you like that song a lot more than me. It's just like, yeah, there's only two times where she's going to do it. It's when she is going full throttle into a song like this, and it works. Um, but I, it's not a place I really want to see her on the regular. 
and I'm very curious to see when we see her live if once she plays this two she doesn't drop it. If I, I, I like what you're saying. I might apply a slightly more Nico-ish filter to it. I would say it's the songs where she's more dexterous. Okay. One of the things is I, I have a friend, and he's a professional musician. Uh, he's a singer, and he's a Broadway guy, and he's so talented. He's a really cool guy. And one time he said to me, uh, I was complaining that I felt like I couldn't sing a specific style of music better. And he he's always so encouraging of other people's interest in exploring their talents. And he was like, well, it's really hard to be really good at multiple styles of music. Most people are okay at several styles of music and really great at one or two. But it's really difficult to be great at multiple styles of music. You should be a little easier on yourself. And when he said that, it really helped me even recontextualize people who I think are modest singers like Carly Rae. Because I feel like on a song where she has to slow it down, like all that, immediately her vocals are made more vulnerable and they're made clearer. And that's that's a tricky situation. At the same time, I think there are songs where she's a little too high octane and it affects the quality of her vocals as well. As much as I love making the most of the night, I commented that I feel she frequently sounds like Wayne Newton on it. Oh, God, yikes. That's fucking and savage. I feel like we get very making the most of the night, and it's a little too much for me. There's there's a magical moment in her in her tempo and range. I think the songs that show it off probably like the best, the best, the best, are songs like Emotion or Boy Problems, where... It floats in this magical space for her. There's enough of a str- uh, of a driving tempo, but it's still a light enough song that you can execute what you need to. And yeah, I mean, I'm not in any way trying to say that I hate this song or all that. I, again, I love this song. And it's such a breath of fresh air in this pop landscape, even going back two years ago, where everyone sounds like they just took a handful of Zans before a plane flight. Uh, like, you know, you're... Um, I don't know, like your Billy Eyelashes, um, people like that. Uh, this is both the banger we need and the banger we deserve uh, in a world where there aren't any. And if she plays this live, I'm going to uh, sing it and be way worse at the high notes than she is. So. so I think what we're saying is the Carly Rae Jepsen songs that thrive the most are the songs that would be the SNL performance that gets kept in the rerun. And the songs where Carly Rae maybe needs to rely on the production a little bit more heavily are the songs that would get cut from the 1220 performance. Uh, sure, I, I believe you. Uh, <laughs> I don't really. Um, but I uh, one other thing is I we kind of hinted at it before. I do want to talk about its absence. Uh, in a world where this movie didn't exist and because the feeling wasn't reserved for the soundtrack for a movie that I don't think anybody saw or even heard of, like, you know that, that saying, like, you know, someone walked so that someone else could run? I feel like this song ran so that other songs could walk, in a way. Um, you can't just have 12 tracks of, like, like full-throttle, high-octane pop music. Like, you gotta mixtape it, you know? You gotta slow it down some points to bring it back up, essentially. And we've talked about kind of doing that experiment of rebuilding emotion, including all of the B-sides. Um, initially, that was, like, kind of the Robin project that we discussed. And I think I would have a really tough time slotting this into emotion without without hurting other songs around it. Oh, I totally get that. There's That's a really tremendous point. Every now and then, 
I find a way to sneak uh, this artist. I'm a big fan of her. Uh, her name is uh, Tori Amos. Never heard of her. I managed to sneak her into these uh, music podcasts. One of the things that I've commented on on numerous, on numerous occasions is, especially for an artist like Tori who lives on her B-sides, there are so many B-sides that are better songs than the stuff that makes the album. But the stuff that makes the album tells a story, and the stuff that makes the singles are still powerful enough to stand on their own. And yeah, it's like it's funny you bring up the singles because we've kind of talked about this before. Is that like in my opinion? Well, I watched an interview with her where she said like she's really bad at picking which songs are going to be the hits off an album, and I kind of agree with her because I think most of the singles she released off of Emotion were kind of crappy. Like I, I really, really, really like you. Yeah, she would have like a cute music video, or they inexplicably got Tom Hanks to be in it crossover episode perhaps one day. But like this is probably her best single I, th- I mean your type was a single but like late at the end of that album so it almost doesn't count and i would say now that i found you and um and like party for one like i i don't like it that much and what's crazier is party of one ultimately isn't even on the standard edition of the record the last time i can think of an artist who pulled the sing their first single from the standard edition of the record was alicia keys who released a bomb ass song with in common one of the best songs she ever released, and it just wasn't a big hit despite strong reviews, a really great SNL performance, killer hook, really smart vocal performance, great production. Everything about it really worked, but it forever, just for whatever reason, it didn't catch on, and it wound up being only on the extended edition of the album, Mariah had a couple of those songs that were released two years ahead of the album as singles for whatever fucking reason she does that, that ultimately wound up bonus tracks. It's a weird move, but when you realize that... I mean, Carly Rae has said that ultimately the song that informed Dedicated was Julian, and that it was the song that really told her what the record was going to sound like. And when you think about it that way, it's it's not... A record that I think needs Party of One, but I, I do think it might... I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you know. Yeah, that was probably like as... Maybe not quite, but close to as bad of a prologue for Dedicated as this was an epilogue for Emotion. And yeah, we've like been nitpicky and a little like overly critical of this song, but that's because if we just heaped effusive praise on it, the episode would be like shorter than the actual song. So just hypothetically, like what would your least favorite part of the song like what's where do you think like the voice kind of starts falling apart here it's the oh yeah's i think see i think the i think the oh's before the chorus work fine i think it's the cut to the feeling sounds like she can just barely get it out yeah absolutely and i said it before um you know i haven't spoiled myself on the set list yet i would be surprised if it wasn't on there but i would also a little bit be surprised if it was because you're going to be Hitting those notes three or four times a week for a couple months is pretty tough. Yeah, or she might just bring it down a step or two. Yeah, probably. That's not an unreasonable thing for artists to do. Slow jam remix of Cut to the Feeling. And I actually defend that staunchly. Oh, for sure. I think it's important to remember that songs exist two different ways. You know, and like Kimbra. Kimbra just really experimented with this last record. There's two very, very, very different versions of this record. If you assemble all of the B-sides for this album and all of the alternate takes that she's professionally released, there's like another nine or ten songs to Primal Heart, and seven of them are the same, and there's a few additional tracks, and it, it paints a very 
dark album, whereas Primal Heart is a much warmer record. But at one point, it was going to be a much darker record, and she was going to lean into that. Instead, she went this way. I just think it's really... I think it's really unfair to think that songs can't exist both ways. Sarah McLachlan in the 90s experimented with that. She released an alternate version of her landmark album, Fumbling Towards Ecstasy, as the Freedom Sessions, and that had some of the, honest-to-goodness, better versions, but that's when the album was this acoustic, sparse thing, and every now and then she'd play them that way live, and it was really cool. It's exciting when Tori does whatever the fuck version she's going to do of that song. And she's going to splice in this other song into it. And in the middle of God, she's going to switch over to tubular bells with the chorus of running up that hill. And in the middle of her own song, she's going to segue into a song she never does live like Datura or take to the sky is going to have a section that's blue skies and it's incredible and you know i'm i'm going on and on because these things mean something to me i'm the kind of guy who when you do that it makes the product better so these artists who struggle to hit some notes i'm never like oh man i really wish they would have done it the way they could do it on the album no it's okay to give me a very different version of the same idea yeah, absolutely. And I, I forget if I've told this story on the show before, but um, the time when I like just Lucky Charm fumbled my way into an Alkaline Trio soundcheck and they asked what song I wanted to hear. because um, I mentioned to them like it was both my senior prom and my birthday that day and I was kind of skipping both to come see them. I said uh, I said I want to hear Bleeder because it was my favorite song of all time. Um, and and Matt was like, oof, you know, we don't really play that live too much. It's, it's a tough one, uh, but we'll give it a shot. And they play, played it at soundcheck. Uh, which was awesome, first off, but he didn't do the bridge, which is like, I mean, his voice is was not the same as it was when they first started out as a band, those first two, three albums where he was mostly just screaming from the throat. And that bridge is like, it's like 35 or 40 seconds of him screaming the words for what you never did. But like, despite that, when they did play it live during the show, it was first off amazing because they, you know, they never play that song live. And it was transformative because hearing however many 2,000 people screaming that bridge for yeah. him was just so fucking awesome. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, speaking of fucking awesome, is Cut to the Feeling like the best B-side of all time, maybe maybe tied with uh, Silver Spring? Absolutely. A B-side that defines the era. Yep, and this has been the Emotion Minute little detour at Now and Again. We'll be back with the Nows next month, but we have a couple of little cleanup things for our Carly Ray extravaganza that we'll be touching on um if you like this if you want to hear us do it again next year let us know at chris podcasts on twitter uh, now and again cast at gmail.com i'll actually should probably check that email for the first time in like a year at some point and just end up disappointed uh, but anyway for nico i'm chris uh, thank you so much for going on this ride with us and we'll catch you on the flip side 